Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, Founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm here today with one of my associates, Kyle Ryan, also a Certified Financial Planner. And what we're doing is this is part two of a two-part episode <clears throat> where we're talking about the various company stock plans. Um, in the first episode, we talked about uh, the uh, stock inside your 401k, and then we talked about restricted stock units. Uh, where we're going to pick up from here is in the first segment of today's episode, we're going to talk about is employee stock options, and then we're going to pick up in the final segment is the employee stock purchase plans or ESPPs. So with no further ado, let's jump in. Stock options. Um, stock options, I wouldn't say they've become dinosaurs. They're definitely less common. They're less common than they used to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there are there's two different types of stock options. And one of them is, here's my lovely new word, is becoming more dinosaurish. Dinosaur. <laughs> dinosaurish. Okay, not just, the, it's just dinosaurish. So the two types of stock options are incentive stock options or ISOs and non-qualified stock options, also referred to as NSOs. And as we'll talk about, the NSOs are becoming more common simply because ISOs are becoming more extinct. Yeah. And it's not that one's good, bad, or anything else. Actually, if you really get down to it, the ISOs are way better than NSOs for the participant. Okay? So... They're also harder to achieve the status of an incentive stock option. Right. They're, they're usually that. reserved for the C-level people, okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. Part of the reason why um, ISOs under the old tax laws were subjecting the participant to AMT, and people used to gripe about that, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. However, somewhere along the line, and I don't know when it was, but the government changed the um, incentive for companies to give out incentive stock options. Yep. And, you know, a company wants to be able to not only provide an opportunity for the employee. To make it worthwhile for themselves. Oh, of course, the business of course. Money. <laughs> I, and, and again, don't hold me to this because I certainly don't know this for sure, but I think what happened was it did not give them the tax deduction. So if you're not getting a tax deduction, or it deferred the tax deduction, they're like, well... It deferred it to an, a later time, which, yeah, we're, we're going to want to talk about how ISOs and NSOs work to yeah. better understand that. But basically, they, as far as I understand it, too, is they delayed yeah, the well, benefit to companies. Forget yeah. the whys. Yeah. At the end of the day is, let's talk about ISOs and NSOs. <laughs> and we'll get ISOs out of the way first, yep. because they are less common anymore. Yep. So I'll let you take off on the ISOs. Yeah, so again, with any of these stock option plans, the, the ability to purchase stock, it all comes down to one singular thing. It's the company incentivizing you to want your company to do better. They want you to own right. the company's stock so that you have more participation in its upside. So how does an incentive stock option work? Basically, your company comes out and they, gives you, they give you what's called a strike price. They say, we'll allow you to buy this stock at this given strike price. Right. Now, you have the ability to do that. Say you do buy a company stock, it's at $40, for example. The day that you buy it, the day that it is granted to you, 
is the time at which you buy the stock. Okay, so now, so to, go it's, ahead. The, the day that it's granted yep. is the price of the stock, at which is your strike price. Yep. So your strike price at right. that time is say $40. Correct. Okay. It's on exercise. Yep. They you okay. have to come up with the cash. Now, you don't up. have to, but go ahead. Okay, so in, for an ISO, the year is 2023. I get granted incentive stock options this year. Right. Essentially meaning I, ha I have the stock at this price at this $40. Now next year, it goes to $50. I have the option to exercise my stock, which means I have to come up and purchase my stock. In order to be able to have an incentive stock option, you have to come up with the money to, to buy it at forty dollars a share. Strike price. You right. get hundred shares at forty dollars a share. You have to come up with four thousand dollars in order for this to occur. Now, at that point, you've had the shares for a year. You have to wait another year after you exercise them to be able to get what's called the long-term capital gain and sell them. So, the whole benefit of an incentive stock option is the tax treatment of those shares. That is correct. You want to get long-term capital gain because in almost every situ single situation it is better for you from a tax perspective. Correct. Now, wanted to cover an incentive stock option because if you do not hold it for two years after, after it was ex uh, granted to you, if you do not wait a year after it's exercised, if you cannot come up with the cash to purchase it, you lost the incentive. It is now a non-qualified stock right. option and NSO. Right, you lose the long-term capital gain treatment, yeah. which as we talked about um, it, it, with, it, it, with the NUA, Okay, the NUA, you ultimately want long-term capital gain treatment. Now, the reality of the situation is, you know, you're talking about 100 shares of stock that went from 40 to 70. Okay, well, you got to come up with $4,000. Yep. They usually don't grant 100 shares when they're doing ISUs. <laughs> when they're doing <laughs> ISUs, that, we're yeah. talking hundreds of thousands of dollars yes, yes. because they're generally for the C-level people. However, the reality of the situation is there are times that you can't afford to buy those shares. So if you can't afford to buy those shares, then you could effectively say, hey, guys, just give me the difference, okay? And if the stock price is at $70, and we have an example coming up, but if the stock price is $70, you get $30 a share. So one of the things you could do is you could exercise some of them yep. to get the $30 a share, yep. after, then it gets taxed, yep. and then you take that money and you buy the rest of the shares. Right. But, you know, unfortunately, it, you know, with many investments, takes money to make money, okay? <laughs> sure so, but ISOs, again, are starting to fall by the wayside. You're not seeing them all that often. So let's talk about NSOs, non-qualified stock options. Basically work the same way. They're granted to you as a non-qualified stock option, which means that you have to wait until the vesting, Okay, vesting can be anywhere from one year to five years, but they mature or uh, not mature, they expire. They expire after 10 years. So if I was granted um, a thousand shares of a particular stock at $40 a share, mm -hmm. they may say anywhere between one and five years, I may have all thousand shares in one year where I'm sitting on them. Yep. Okay, yep. I own the option, they're vested. It could also be, I have to wait five years, mm -hmm. or it could also be 20% after one, 20% after two, et cetera, et cetera. But no matter what, they expire after 10 years. And so to the extent that both incentive stock options and non-qualified stock options work, is they only work 
if the value of the stock went up. Yep. Okay, which, by the way, they're trying to incent the employees to do a better job. You want everybody in the company to be cheering for the stock to go up. Yep. So where it comes into play for the non-qualified stock options is when exercised, it's ordinary income. Similar to RSUs, but not really. Okay, they're only similar to RSUs in that it's treated as ordinary income. But in the case of NSOs, you don't actually buy the stock. Exactly, you don't have to come up with the cash. Right, and so, it then, if like if I had the stock at, you know, th th they're granted to me at $40 a share and they're worth $70 a share, basically what happens is as long as I'm vested, and that's the difference with RSUs. RSUs actually, when they are vested, you that's want them at a low stock yeah, price. Do, yeah. Hey man, if I'm going to be paying tax on 100 shares, I want it to be at a low price. Yep. Okay. But when it comes to NSOs, NSOs, are vested, but it gives you the choice of when you want to exercise it. And when you exercise, boom, it ex it's almost like owning a stock yeah. and exercise it and selling the stock. Yeah. So you're going to be exactly looking at it and trying to time the stock yeah. based on when you think it is at a high price. Yeah. And when you exercise it, bang, you've got that money coming to you. That is it's cashless exchange, mm -hmm. as we discussed earlier. But what happens is you will get money in your paycheck. Yep. You exercise non-qualified stock options, boom, you're going to get. So if you 100 shares at $40 a share, now it's 70, that's 30 times 100, you're going to get $3,000 as if you got a bonus for $3,000. Yeah, and the more gain you have associated with your stock option, the more, if you do an NSO, will ta get taxed at ordinary income. And if you have the ability, if you have a really big capital gain, the more it incentivizes you to go after and fulfill those ISO requirements, if it's available to you, of course. Right. Okay. And so, just again, to, to note, there's no time frame. These are never, the non-qualified stock options are never long-term capital gains. Yep. But because they are, and here comes the planning piece. Yep. Okay. So, you know, a major component of financial planning are maximizing tax efficiency, tax planning strategies. So when people retire, those shares that are vested, first of all, this goes back to going back to the company's plan. The summary plan description is the document that every company has to have associated with any type of plan, whether it's ESPPs, the stock purchase plans, the stock options, or RSUs, they all have a plan. And you want to understand if you're thinking of leaving a company or you're thinking of retiring, man, you better be looking at that plan. Yes. Because the last thing in the world you want to do is find out that if you terminate employ employment, you lose them. Dude, that's not the thing you want to find out afterwards. <laughs> yep. Okay, you know, always a believer. Understand, know the rules. Okay, read the summary plan description. Get guidance from your tax advisor. Get guidance from your financial advisor. In this case, it's more the financial advisor. And hopefully your financial advisor is familiar with these plans. Because the other thing that comes into play, and we hit this a lot, again, timing retirement. Okay, if you 
have to exercise them within a certain period of time, you may think about timing your retirement. You know, 90 days, is it 180 days? Do they give you one year? Or do they let you until the expiration date of the options? But the thing that's important about this that very few people consider is that it is taxed as ordinary income. Yep. And, you know, you'd be surprised that if you're making $200,000, you're gonna like, well, gee, I don't wanna take my stock options now. Well, if you're retiring, believe it or not, you're probably better served taking it when you're making 200,000, I say probably, obviously you check your, your taxes. But what happens is that if it's considered ordinary income, they're taxing you by, by Social Security. Yep. And that's an extra 6.2% tax. Yep. So if your income in 2023 is over $162,000 and you exercise these non-qualified stock options, you're not paying Social Security tax. And I've, I've seen people, yeah, wipe them all out in one year. Yeah. Uh, I've seen people spread it out over the years. It's, it's all dependent on your individual situation. Right, and it all comes back down to planning. Okay, so cannot emphasize enough how important it is to do planning to factor in every facet of all of your financial planning without absolutely forgetting the tax piece. Yep. So it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep, right? Okay, so we're at the end of the first segment. Uh, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about employee stock purchase plans. So thank you for joining us. We'll be back with you in just a few moments. Do you keep up regularly with your investments? Where exactly are your hard-earned dollars going? Are you financially prepared for an emergency? I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. We believe that education and knowledge are powerful, and we want our clients to understand why we are making the recommendations that we make. It's your money, and you deserve to know where it's going, because it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So call us today to discuss. <laughs> Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained, and this is part two of a two-part episode talking about different company stock plans. In the first part, we talked about 401ks and the advantage of net unrealized appreciation. The second half of that episode, we talked about, what did we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Incentive stock options and non-qualified. No, that was the first, ep first oh, half of this episode. Yeah. Um, RSUs. Okay, so we talked about that. We talked about RSUs, restricted stock units. First part of this episode, we talked about stock options and... The last part we're talking about is, in this episode, is employee stock purchase programs. This is another common uh, thing that we see. Okay, now, it's more common than stock options. It's roughly comparable to RSUs, and the most common is inside the, the 401k plan. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, employee stock purchase plans are awesome. If they fit your circumstance. I know. Right? I, I love say, them. Got to throw that in there. I know. I know. I love, <laughs> yeah, I love yeah, employee yeah. stock purchase programs. So basically, the long and short of it is, again, we cannot encourage you enough to check your summary plan description. Basically, as an employee, you're allowed to contribute according to the plan. Usually, I'll tell you what, and I looked this up. There's no rule, at least that I could tell from the IRS, about 10%. The IRS has a rule that says you can't contribute more than $25,000 a year. But every single plan I've ever seen has limited you to contributing 10% of your pay. Yep. So you contribute 10% of your pay after tax to purchase stock. Through Great. payroll. Through payroll. 
Yeah. Okay? So, you know, if you're making $1,000 a week and you want to put 10%, boom, 100 bucks a week goes into this pot of money. So what happens is they have what's referred to as an offering period. Offering periods are usually either three months or six months, okay? At which point, what happens is that you're contributing, again, using the example, 100 bucks a week for that offering period. So if it happens to be uh, three months, it's 13 weeks, which is $1,300. Yep. If it's six months, it's 2,600 bucks, 26 weeks. Okay. Then what happens is they take that 1,300 or 26, that pot of money, and then based on the rules of the plan, usually what we see is that you can buy at the lower of the prices at the beginning and the end of the offering period. Yep. Okay? Which is a pretty good option to have. Dude, and then on top of it, most companies give a 15% discount. Onto that, uh, in addition to that lower stock price. Correct. Yep. So, so the example I literally had in a client meeting last night is that at the beginning of the, his was six months, the beginning of the offering period, the stock price was 42. At the end of the offering period, it was 47. So he accumulated, actually in his case, he accumulated $9,000, okay? He accumulated $9,000, and so it started at 42, finished at 47, he got 15% off of the 42, yep. okay? So he got a $6.40, something like that, $6.30. So he paid like $35 a share for a stock that's worth 47 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, the, dude, that's it's, awesome. It's it's a really good program. Right. Okay. So, at the end of that period, you own the shares. So then they work just like it normally would, right? Then so you, you have a regular stock, in, almost in your gains, right? If you in that example, you know, you had thirty-four dollar cost base. Yes, yeah, so right? let's so, use thirty-four. Yep. Let, let's assume we bought it at forty. That the stock price was forty, not forty-two. The stock price was forty, so we bought it at thirty-four dollars. And if you got that fifteen percent discount. That is essentially a gift from the company. That's they correct. They are just giving you that discount. They're giving you a cheaper stock price. When you get given something, nothing in this world is for free. Yeah, right. <laughs> you get taxed as if you made that money at work, as if you made it right, right on your W-2. So that discount is taxed as ordinary income. But the rest of your gains- But not until you sell it. Not, of course, not until you sell it. Right. Good point. So the discount that you have is taxed as ordinary income at the time you sell it. The rest of the gains are taxed. Texas long-term capital gains. Correct. If you wait a year before Gotta you sell wait a year. It. Gotta wait a year. But, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> that's an incredible incentive. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, so in this particular case, let's say it started at 40, mm -hmm. okay? So, it, it was 40, 42, close enough. Yep. He, he effectively bought it at 34, yeah. okay? The stock price was 47. By the way, they just posted earnings the day before. They, the, the, the day, the stock is at 52, okay? It popped. So, if he wanted to sell it today, he would sell it at $52 a share, and the tax treatment of it is from 34 to 40, which was the gift that you referred to. 15% discount. Counts as, that 15% discount counts as W-2 income, subject to every level of taxation, federal, state, local, Medicare, Social Security, all that fun stuff, okay? But from 40 to whatever we sell it at is treated as capital gain. So if he sells it at 52, that $12 a share is treated as capital gain, 
And if he didn't wait a year, then it's subject to short-term capital gain, which is taxed at the highest possible rate based on your tax brackets. But if he waits a year, it's taxed as long-term capital gain. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I've seen in my experience, the typical one Mm -hmm. is 15% over three months. Okay. Where you get a 15% discount and your, uh, your offering period is three months. Correct. And using example, you can either buy it at the end of December or at the end of March. Right. Whichever the price is. Whatever that quarter is. That's correct. Yep. And the, Example that I had encountered last night was um, a six-month offering period. Um, I've seen two other examples. Oh, the one was awesome. (laughs) A technology company. This is a few years ago. Which Um, can be a little more volatile. A little bit more volatile. And what they did is they had a six-month offering period, but they allowed going back two years to get a lowest price <laughs> the, the lowest price at any of this. those six month points okay. so what happened is that let's say it was december 31st of 22 they gave you the lowest price of december june of 22 december of 21 or june of 21 okay and in this particular instance that stock dropped like a stone about a year or two earlier it dropped from like 40 something to like 15 or 20 and it came back up to 40 something mm-hmm. every and he gets 15% discount off of that super low he's loving it yeah i believe it <laughs> <laughs> so the long and short of it though is that this becomes a planning piece yep. you know um, from a planning perspective some people don't have the ability to afford it mm-hmm. all right so um, perfect example last night was just that um, he was maxing out his 401k but not maxing out his ESPP okay so barring you know any particular stock going way up or way down let's just call it it remains flat I mean arguably your 401k could go up or down but um, for most people think about it you're getting a 15 percent match okay um discount not a match. discount discount by the way I, I forgot to mention there was another company that if you bought 100 shares that they would just give you 50 shares and you'd be taxed on it immediately now yeah where you get the match as opposed to the discount right so so mm-hmm. here's what i found really weird again another experience where a client had ESPP from like five, six years ago, okay? We sold the stock. He got a W-2 from that company. That's right. He got a W-2 from all those years ago. (laughs) Because we were talking about, how are we going to calculate this for taxes? Because he does his own taxes. I'm like, boy, I'll tell you what, that's going to be tough to do to go back and figure out what your cost basis is. we got to go look at pay stubs. Right, and and guess what? They had it. I was amazed by that. But uh, in this particular instance, you know, Again, everybody's situation is different. But he was over-contributing to his 401k, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. But what I suggested in his case is to pair back on his 401k contributions, 
not miss company match. Yep. The best investment from a match and everything is your company match. My God, you're getting 100% match. In this case, you're getting 100% to five. Yep. You, you absolutely do not go less than five. Yep. But then pair back on your 401k contributions and max out the ESPP. Now, yeah. what's going to happen is when you're in the middle of an offering period, you can't change. You have to wait until the end of the offering period. And in his particular instance, you know, he's in the very earlier stages of his offering period. He won't be able to do it until you yeah, know, the you end of the six months. You can see your stocks crater and you start pumping it. They don't want to see you. Well, no, but you can't do it anyway because it, it's locked. It's, it's locked uh, in. No, it's a payroll period. deduction. It's locked in. Yep. So you can't, unlike a 401k that you can make changes to, in most cases, you can make changes to, not that I'm going to recommend it, but you could almost effectively make changes to your 401k on a daily or weekly basis. <laughs> and certainly, <laughs> actually, let me rephrase, I mean, you wouldn't want to drive your payroll person and HR crazy yeah. by changing your <laughs> contribution percentages yeah. every week, but you could, okay? Yep. And a lot of times it's online anyway. Yeah. So, um, but it's, again, it's planning, okay? It is absolutely planning. And we had another situation where the client couldn't afford it. So what we were doing is we were ramping up. You know, he couldn't afford the full 10%. So in the first year, I said, what can you afford? He goes, three. I'm like, okay, great. So we were doing three, but at the end of the first year, even though it wasn't a long-term capital gain, what he was doing is he was selling some of the shares that he previously bought to, to afford to afford new shares to take it from 3% to yeah. 5% to 7% until he was able to get to the full 10%. Yeah. And boy, I'll tell you what, you can accumulate some stock that way and you can accumulate you know, a lot of stock. Now, again, it goes back to the planning. And having okay. diversification. You don't want to be overloaded. Right. And, and also timing the sale of the stock. And the timing of the sale of the stock takes on two components. Number one is timing the price. But remember the capital own, gains and the taxes. taxes. Yep. So anyway, it all comes back to planning. And, you know, fundamentally, we're wrapping up here. Um, it all comes down to planning. But it also comes down to understanding all of the rules of the game. We preach this all the time. He who knows the rules of the game, the best usually does better at the game. So know all of your different company stock plans. Read your summary plan descriptions. Take full advantage of it. Understand the impact for your overall investment portfolio. Understand the impact for tax planning. And just understand how it fits in to your entire financial plan. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Um, thank you, Kyle, for your participation in the last two episodes. Absolutely. Uh, all good stuff. Uh, thank you for joining and participating and watching. And I hope everybody got something out of it. Uh, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. All right, all right say hi to Rachel and... Uh,